Hey, it's Big Joe for your trusted local independent American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning dealer, Absolute Comfort. Chris Wedekin is the owner, and he tells us why many homeowners are giving up their air conditioners for a high-efficiency heat pump. By removing your air conditioner and replacing it with a heat pump, you are not only saving by getting a higher-efficiency air conditioner, the heat pump works in reverse and saves you money in the wintertime as well. See if a heat pump is the right move for you by going to absolutecomfort.org. Absolute Comfort is your trusted local independent American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning dealer. Good morning. It is Thursday, May 25th. It is six minutes after nine. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. His name is Rob Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels, and we're glad you're joining us this morning. So Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, he entered the battle for the 24 presidential election last night during a chaotic, glitch-filled online forum on Twitter, which was hosted by its owner, billionaire Elon Musk. This is fascinating because we talked about yesterday whether this was a good move to go via this space's route. Mm Mm-hmm. And I had said at the time, I thought it was because we would spend the whole day talking about the route by which he was going. So he would have all of the traditional media, talk radio, conservative media, talk radio, Fox News, Newsmax, whatever, talking about him. Then he would enter a new, no pun intended, space Mm -hmm. by which he could garner a new, less traditional audience. However, that was contingent upon the thing working, actually working. I thought it was a good idea, too, because you have your phone with you wherever you are. Yes. It's disruptive. So it would have the ability to reach many people no matter where they happen to be. I was laughing hysterically during this as it was not working because, as you know, for years I made my living via, I owned a streaming company where we would take high schools and colleges who didn't have sporting events or i mean a radio stations and we would broadcast their games on the internet this was pre-youtube pre-google pre-facebook pre-everyone streaming and one of the things we used to do is we would we would kind of monitor the games for the clients and there were some who were better at technology than others and so you would sit there as you were trying to monitor the game for for them and just keep hitting refresh mm-hmm. and hoping that stream would pop up right and you would text the client Still not on. Refresh. And they text back, better now? No. And last night, I'm thinking, here 15 years later, I'm still doing the same thing. Yeah. Except this isn't some 65-year-old grandpa trying to broadcast his grandson's Little League game. This is Elon freaking Musk, the rich, one of the richest, most powerful, most technologically savvy people in the world. It made me feel so better about what I went through all those years ago. See how far we've come? <laughs> Not very far, apparently. I mean, were you, you, were you doing that? Refresh. Mm, absolutely, Refresh. absolutely. Am I doing it wrong? Yes. Do I have the right link? What is going on? So it's at one point in the middle of all this, um, I thought maybe it was just me because I've never used Twitter, Twitter spaces, spaces yeah. before. And I thought, okay, maybe I am just a moron because I tried it on my computer. It didn't work. I went to my phone. It didn't work. And I thought, you know, I fear the technology. So I thought, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm doing it wrong. And so I I texted you. Mm -hmm. And you thought it might be good for us to have a dramatic reading. Yes, this is the text thread between Rob and I when there were technical issues. Yes. Of Ron DeSantis announcing he's running for president. Because this went on for like 20 minutes. Yes. Okay, very good. You ready? All right. I I will go first because I start this process. Ready? Yeah. When does this thing start? 
There's not any audio on mine. It says preparing to launch. Link. They're breaking Twitter. Okay, mine does too. Just making sure. It started and has stopped. They're having issues. Here it comes. Are you hearing it? Trump is totally going to have a field day with this. I got nothing. Choppy. I heard him real quick, then he disappeared. Yep. Reboot. Reboot. Abort. Abort mission. (laughs) You know, you made a phenomenal point last night in all of this, and we just kept texting back and forth. There's all this argument now about getting rid of AM radio. Yeah. And there's this argument, you know, Tesla, ironically, Tesla and others are considering trying to boot AM radio from new vehicles. And you made a great point last night, which is, you know where you don't have the problem that you had last night? The radio. Yeah, radio stations can be thrown together with a couple of wires and duct tape. Yeah. And that's why radio stations are still part of the EAS. Right. The Emergency Alert System. It's like last line of defense. You can have 10 million people listen to the radio, a radio station at any given time. And that is just fine. And I just thought that was such a good point that you made last night. And it comes at a time where they're talking about, you know, eliminating at least the AM side, you know, potentially from cars. And it really underscores all the technology in the world can be so phenomenal. Here's a great example. Jason and I have a buddy. Producer Jason is in here with Kevin today. He's taking over next week as Kevin goes to Boston into Mm -hmm. the great unknown. We'll see if he comes back. He's shipping up. (laughs) Kevin Kevin was in the harbor throwing tea. Um, and so Jason and I have a buddy. And he's Mr. I'm the greatest broadcaster who ever lived. And this guy and his setup is the most elaborate thing you've ever seen, Casey. It's, it's computers and it's mixers and it's wires and it's microphones. And there's a crowd mic and there's a you mic and there's a this guy mic. And yet... I can't tell you how many times this guy has failed to get on the air and as he's there screaming and unplugging wires Mm -hmm. and throwing things and Mm -hmm. why doesn't this work and why doesn't that work? And I can't tell you the amount of times we've told him, if you just plug this mixer into that thing, (laughs) it'll be just fine. Well, no, man, that's not professional. It's got to be. No, it still works. You know what you are right now? You're a guy not on the air. And I felt like last night, that's what this thing was. That's what was happening. It was almost two cute by half. And then I was looking at the numbers of the announcement. And he was up, I think, over 700,000 in the early going when it wasn't working. Mm -hmm. And then the numbers, now it may have gotten greater because after a while I'd I'd heard enough after Thomas Massey popped in, that was enough for me. I'm Costanza leaving on a high note. He was like in the 290s, 300s. So I don't know what that means, but I do know that 700,000 is more than 300,000. And so for whatever you were trying to accomplish, a lot of people didn't hang around. Right. A lot of people were turned off by the technical problems. And I think it does just show you why radio is still relevant. And it reminds me when COVID first hit and I was in Tallahassee of all places and I was trying to pump up the staff and, hey, it's on us. We have to be accurate with our reporting. We have to let listeners know what is going on. And it was it was part of my part of my let's get them team speech, bringing everybody together that, you know, 
when something breaks at a TV station, it's expensive. Yeah. It requires a lot of engineers. And obviously, last night with the announcement on Twitter, we saw the servers went down. What happens? But radio station, couple wires and duct tape, and they got you on the air. All right. So they did recover. They did finally get the thing on. Why don't we take a break? And then when we come back, let's play some audio. We have a lot of audio okay, from Ron DeSantis Great. we could get through. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. minutes after nine it's kendall and casey on 93 wibc so after some technical glitches delaying the start by about 25 minutes florida governor ron desantis did announce on twitter's audio platform that he is entering the republican presidential primary this is going to set up a clash between him and donald trump yeah so once they finally got him on and by the way just can i tell you how tickled pink I was that Thomas Massey, who is one of the three people I like in the federal government, popped on at one point. He's endorsed DeSantis and they were having a a back and forth about limited government. And I just I just I can't. I mean, I'm not saying as a grown ass man, I was weeping openly, but I was certainly there was a, a tear in formation as those two were going back and forth. I was really surprised at the announcement. Not at the beginning. It sounded like he was reading from a script, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But I was really surprised at how into the weeds they got on stuff. I was expecting a short conversation, an announcement, but this went on for an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah, so it's so good you mentioned that, because as he's going through these things, I get into the RAINS Act and all these other sort of things, thinking... This guy is going to run circles around Donald Trump on a debate stage. And if Trump gets a, if they can get a debate stage where it's the two of them. Now, if you got nine guys up there, they're not going to get a chance to get anything in. But he will destroy Donald Trump on a debate. I mean, he was, like you said, in the weeds on very complex stuff, which is great. That's totally what we should want from the leader of our country. And there's no way Trump knows this stuff. There's no way Trump's going to keep up with him on this stuff. Now, whether that will actually happen or not, I don't know. I do think the lack of video. So I thought about this afterwards and I thought, okay, I know Musk wants to promote the spaces thing. That was probably part of the deal. Elon saying, look, we'll give you this platform, but you got to do it this way because I want people to start using this thing on Twitter. But I thought, man, the lack of video. A lot of people have very short attention spans. And they probably didn't keep a lot of people as long as they could have. But the nerds that they did keep, that is like catnip to those people, this in-depth policy analysis stuff. So he may have won a lot of people over yesterday, even if on a large scale, it didn't necessarily captivate the attention um the way we traditionally think of that you need to do in politics. So there were a lot of people who were commenting on Twitter that it was boring and a big snooze fest and yawn and they gave it the 25 minutes it wasn't working and then they left and then the people that did stay they didn't stay for a really long time and many people just are not used to active listening and to your point had there been video it might have helped a little but for the people that were there they got real answers it was serious and that kind of goes into whole DeSantis's thing that hey I'm not building a brand here I'm not here for entertainment I want to lead and I want to govern and that's something we have to consider when you think about Donald Trump versus Ron DeSantis Donald Trump is going to entertain you yes you're going to have a good time 
if you agree with him. Uh, even if you <laughs> don't, don't agree, even if you don't agree with him. <laughs> but with Ron DeSantis, he's giving serious answers, and you you have to decide as a voter what do you want. Uh, real quick, so let's. I want to get to some of these audios. You did all the legwork on this. This was awesome. I was working last night, so I just tapped out and said, "You choose whatever you want." Mm-hmm. Kev, I want to skip ahead to what will be our third audio on the list here, where DeSantis talks about the responsibility handed to us from the founding fathers. Yeah. Because we talk about this all the time on this show. We are here because of them. They did all the work for us to have this cakewalk through life compared to other countries. And we have totally dropped the ball on the responsibility that that has been handed to us for the opportunity to have this incredible nation. I thought he just hit the hit hit it out of the ballpark on this. But our founding fathers were keenly aware of the fragility of freedom. When they framed our Constitution, they came to arm with having studied the history of every republic and the history of mankind. And they noticed that all of those experiments only had one thing in common, and it was this. Every single one of them had failed. And so they knew it fell to our country, the United States of America, to determine whether people could really govern themselves. Could we have a society based on the idea that our rights are God-given, not government-granted? And that society functions based on the rule of law, not the rule of individual men. And when Dr. Benjamin Franklin walked out of that convention, he was asked, did you deliver a republic or a monarchy? He said, a republic, if you can keep it. They knew freedom didn't run on autopilot. They knew each generation would have a responsibility to safeguard freedom. And it's our responsibility to do so at this important juncture in our nation's history. We have a lot of work to do to ensure the country gets back on track. I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. I thought that was I thought that was awesome. It's uh, smart, and is it too smart for voters? That's the question. Well, look, he's not right now. He's talking to a very specific group of voters, and that are that is people who will vote in a Republican primary. And specifically, he's talking to people right now in Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina. Trust me. They are going to know the makeup. They probably already do. But by the time you hit August or September, they're going to know the makeup of who's voting in those three states better than those people know themselves. And I guarantee you, look, I will tell you this because I was around the Trump campaign in 2016 and I saw how ragtag it was. And I don't say that necessarily as a negative. One of the amazing things about the Trump campaign in 2016, and I saw this because I was in these groups and it's part of why I got asked to interview Trump because I knew a lot of these people, they would have just a random person who would get, there was like an Ohio, Michigan, uh, one of the other states forum. And they would say, uh, somebody get on and go, I've got 100 Trump signs. I'm going to be at the Wendy's off Interstate 70 at, you know, at this town at four o'clock come get your signs. I mean, that was how the thing operated. Like, people were walking in parades for Trump who weren't even on the Trump campaign. And that's fine, but a surgical-type operation that DeSantis is going to run, especially in a primary, that is going to blow. Trump better get it together, is all I'm going to say, because this guy is Mm -hmm. coming to win. Okay, so I don't know if he planned on releasing his official presidential ad campaign when he did, Ron DeSantis, but he did it last night, right before they finally got all the technical problems figured out. And this is what it sounds like. Our border is a disaster. Crime infests our cities. The federal government makes it harder for families to make ends meet, and the president flounders. But decline is a choice. Success is attainable, and freedom is worth fighting for. 
Writing the ship requires restoring sanity to our society, normalcy to our communities, and integrity to our institutions. Truth must be our foundation, and common sense can no longer be an uncommon virtue. In Florida, we prove that it can be done. We chose facts over fear, education over indoctrination, law and order over rioting and disorder. We held the line when freedom hung in the balance. We showed that we can and must revitalize America. We need the courage to lead and the strength to win. I'm Ron DeSantis, and I'm running for president to lead our great American comeback. So while he was releasing that ad on Twitter, Joe Biden also tweeted something out, (laughs) trolling, if you will. Uh He said, this link works. Okay, that's pretty good. And it was it was a, it was a fundraising well, link. Donate to the Biden Harris campaign. Let's all agree, Joe Biden didn't actually. Tweet well, no, it was out. not Joe Biden. Right. It was somebody on his staff who did that. Okay, Casey. Yeah, coming up next. Oh my gosh, we have such a great guest. Did you know the Indy Five Hundred is Sunday? I did know. Did that. you know? Are you aware of that race that's I, taking place? I'm planning my walk now. There's some mild interest in this city about mm-hmm. the race. And when we come back, this is one of my favorite people, not just in in broadcasting, but period. I've known this guy for 20 years. He is the best at what he does. He's the best in the business, and he's an outstanding human being. Mark Janes, the voice of the Indy 500. His voice will just radiate throughout central Indiana and across the Fruited Plain Sunday, telling you everything that's going on with the 500. He is scheduled to join us next. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. With Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Mark your calendars. It's coming up on Sunday. The green flag is set to drop at 1245 as the anticipation is building. Drivers gearing up for the iconic event to be held at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And we have such a special guest with us. I cannot believe he would risk ruining his reputation to be associated with us. But he is one of the great broadcasters and great people throughout central indiana the voice of the indianapolis 500 you will hear him and people will hear him across the country sunday mark james joins us now mark how are you my friend i'm doing well thank you very much for the invite i appreciate it i'm honored truly thank you do you ever stop on sunday before the the green flag drops and you go oh my gosh there's a gajillion people across this country listening to me Yeah, I don't know that it's in those terms, but certainly the 300,000-plus that I see kind of connects me to the fact that uh, it's a pretty big deal. Um, (laughs) I I, I think, you know, the the time that uh, that starts to kind of wash over me is – uh, we, you know, I get there pretty early and kind of watch the place come to life. And then we have, you know, plenty of interviews and uh, things to do before our production meeting at 10. And then um, usually when that wraps up before we go on at 11, I'll go outside and find a quiet place to stand or sit. And, and I literally try to connect myself to, you know, my predecessors, um, you know, Mike King and Bob Jenkins and Sid Collins, Lou Palmer, Paul Page, and think about uh, their thoughts on that day. And, um, 
and also think about how lucky I am that some corn-fed kid from Monrovia, Indiana, landed in that chair and yeah. um, uh, think that uh, we're 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 ready to do something pretty daggone cool. That's for sure. Well, and look, this is a total bias, you know, because I've known you for years and broadcast with you, and you're just an outstanding human being. But I love the fact that a Hoosier lifer has this gig because a big part of that is being connected with Indiana and, and Indianapolis, and I know that's a big thing for you because you are you are Indiana man. Well, I appreciate that, and uh, you know, I'm obviously very proud of my hometown. I, I promoted a lot, and it's uh, done a lot for me. It's kind of where my career started, oh, so many years ago, doing sports reports for Monrovia football and basketball for the Marksville Station, getting paid a whopping five bucks a game. I mean, Rob, you, you remember what you got paid when you first started in your career, you know? And you just don't do it for the money; you do it because it's something that you always wanted to do. And uh, it's been a it's been a wild ride that uh, that led me to this point, and. I've told this story. I said, you know, when I got home my first year in 96 that I was a pit reporter, uh, my wife asked me how it went. And I said, well, I said, I think they were happy. I said, but if they don't ask me back, I'll have done it one more time than a lot of guys get to. So Mm -hmm. for 27 years, I've been playing with house money. Mark Jaynes joins us on the drivehubular.com hotline. So, Mark, uh, it's Casey. And, you know, like you, I've been in the broadcast industry for a long time. But when I was young, I used to play radio. I can recall uh, sitting around in the bedroom doing W-O-O-P, it's Whoop, the fake radio station that we made up. Did you ever do anything like that when you were young? Well, yeah, and I mean, I was inspired by uh, by Niall Denny, who was my principal at Hall Elementary School. He was a retired colonel from the military, and uh, one day I was coming off the uh, playground after playing softball, and uh, I was in uh, sixth grade, and uh, he asked me what I wanted to do with my life, and I said, well, I wanted to be a Major League Baseball player, and he said, well... I watched you play softball the last couple of days. You might re- you might want to rethink that because you're not very good. Uh, he, said, he said, but with your obvious inability to keep your mouth shut, your love of sports, you ought to think about a career in broadcasting. And so we went and talked about it, and he, he gave me some uh, some ideas, you know, start calling radio stations and talking to disc jockeys and air personalities and uh, asked my parents to buy me a realistic cassette recorder and used to make up mock Indy 500s uh, with, uh, with the kids in my neighborhood. So, uh, so yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's kind of where this all began for me. Mark, we had our man Stingray Rob, who's one of the greatest names in the history of sports, period, much less, you know, racing on yesterday. And it just seems like, and you're at the track every day, you've been at the track every day for many years, it seems like there is a newfound enthusiasm for the Indy 500 in terms of maybe it's the speed, maybe it's the idea of, hey, COVID reminded us how special these things are and being able to do these things. It just seems like there is a new level of excitement and enthusiasm for the 500 maybe like we've never seen before you're there every day what are you feeling well i think you know all of the reasons you mentioned were because of that and i mean i'll I'll go back to uh the the outstanding marketing plan that that doug bowles and everyone at ims put together for the 100th if you recall at the time the theme was fast forward and uh you know, they wanted to pay respect to the, the first 100 years of the event, but uh, they kind of wanted to create a, a, a renewed interest and a newfound enthusiasm for the race itself. And I think that they were headed in that direction until the uh, until the pandemic stepped in. But um, I, I, I think what you're seeing is just, uh, you know, as you suggest, uh, one year we ran it without fans, which I never want to do again. And then we had limited capacity. And um, I, I think that... Uh, you know, it's 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 pumped life. It's pumped energy into it. But I also think that 
the desire to remind folks that it's there and give people more things to do when they are there because our attention spans are, attention spans are so short now. I mean, uh, Penske Entertainment and, again, Doug Bowles at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, that entire organization. I mean, every time I pull into the place now, I notice something new and improved, and I think that's going to be the case for the foreseeable future. Um, I think if we can be impressed by all the changes and the upgrades and the improvements that have made been made in the last couple of years, uh, I don't think we've, we've seen anything yet. And um, it's uh, the greatest race course in the world, and, and I think Roger Penske and his team, Doug Bowles and his team, are going to do everything moving forward to make sure it continues to look like that. Mark Jane's the voice of the Indy 500, our guest. Hammer and I were talking about this yesterday, about what you do and how hard it is. So, like, you know this, Mark. Baseball's kind of easy, right? There's the pitch, yeah. fly ball left yeah. field, catch one out. You know, football, there's the snap, uh, uh, you know, off uh, run off right in, five yards, second brings up second down. You guys have to paint a picture of cars that are moving 225 plus miles per hour, and you're having to paint a picture to people like me who look, the Indy 500 may be the only thing we intensely consume in terms of racing each year. And I'm curious how you go about that because it is such a tough task. Well, I think, you know, the passion and enthusiasm that I have for the event of the place, I think, is echoed by the entire crew that we have because all of these people are uh, connected in, in, in some way, shape, or form and have been to this event for a number of years and and would would, would most likely be there in the Northeast Vista or the Southeast Vista or wherever it might be uh, if, if, if they weren't part of the radio network. Uh, you know, the overwhelming majority of us are Hoosiers or Midwesterners, and so... Uh, uh, you know, you match that with the incredible talents as broadcasters. I mean, the lineup we have, I mean, you know, you go around the turns and Nick Yeoman and Michael Young and, and, and Jake Query and Kristen Airy. I mean, all of those guys have, have been with us, you know, 13 years or more. And then, you know, you've got Kristen Airy, who's been in turn four now for 20 plus years, been a part of the radio network for 26 years. Uh, Davey Hamilton is, you know, obviously a very accomplished driver, a two time series runner up. Made, I believe, 11 500 stars. Then you go down Pitt Road and you've got Ryan Marine who covers about anything and everything with wheels and a motor and is ultra intelligent. <laughs> and then, you know, you've got, you've got Alex Wolf, who's a, 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 a tremendous historian about all forms of motorsports. Scott Sander is one of the best anchors in television in the history of this town. And you've got Rob Blackman, the voice of the Purdue Boilermakers. So, you know, Rob, I've got the easiest job in the world. All I got to do is let all those guys do their job, <laughs> stay out of the way and not screw it up. Well, you say that you have the easiest job in the world and that uh, leads me to my question. So you're there and you're working. Do you actually ever get to enjoy the race do you have a best memory of any of the races that you've called well, thank you for calling it work. I appreciate that. I, I don't know that a lot of people see that, but uh, you know, it's uh, it's a labor of love for sure. You know, I, I would say that um, uh, I was in turn three for 15 years before I became uh, the voice of the 500, and uh, and I would say the the two, 2006 uh, battle between Sam Hornish Jr. and Marco that I was a part of was probably my favorite. But uh, uh, there's no question. I mean, I, I don't. 
I don't think the only thing I think that could top me having the opportunity to call Elio's historic fourth win would be if I get the opportunity to call his fifth win. But I was yeah. uh, honored to be a part of all four of those wins and be on the call. But certainly my favorite memory thus far uh, in my my 28 years with the network is having the honor and privilege to uh, to say that there were four for Elio for sure. Yeah. Before we let Mark go, I always tell the story when he's on with us because we have new listeners all the time. Here is what an incredible broadcaster Mark is. So Mark and I. This was to this would have been in 2003. We did a Tri-West regional football game or semi-state football game. And it's like on the southern border of Indiana. This is in the early days of cell service. And the equipment we go out there, the phone doesn't work. I can't get a call out. <laughs> But the cell phone that we had, the backup cell phone, which was literally an early days flip phone, did for some reason work. And I said, Mark, I don't have gear for this. He goes, give me the phone. And Casey, Mark puts that phone to his ear and holds it up and calls an entire football game for three and a half hours. And he just no big deal. I mean, Mark, do you remember doing that? I, I do remember doing that. I do, and um, you know, I've, I've I've got a lot of stories like that over the years, and, and you know, being in press boxes and gyms for you know basketball and football and baseball, and um, I, I tell you, there, you, you know, you and I both have very good friends that that still do that on a regular basis, and, and God bless them for it. Uh, I, I I I think it's great that they continue to promote high school athletics to the level at which they do, but uh, I would say, thankfully, Rob, technology. Has come a long way, so guys don't have to do that very often yeah. anymore. <laughs> you have to be able to roll with the changes and any technical problems that come in your way. Do you show up on race day with a bunch of notes? How do you prepare? Well, actually, I, I, with our last day, I, I teach communications full time at Monrovia High School, and uh, and and uh, we've got a staff day today because the last day of school was yesterday, and 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 my desk right now is uh, is covered with um, you know the the, the pre race, and and I'm trying to get all that together and time all of that out, and so you know I've I've, I've got stacks of notes that I would use on race day and everything. But, you know, honestly, um, there's so much going on uh, and it's going so fast. And, And as I alluded to earlier, with the people I have at my disposal, people say, well, how do you keep track of, for instance, uh, pit strategy and, and the fuel window and things of that nature? I said, well, I've got a guy who's been a race strategist sitting right next to me, so I let him do that. Um, and, and, you know, those guys at the turns all have facts and figures on all of these drivers, and, and I don't take that thunder away from them. Uh, I let the pit reporters uh, work through our pit producer, Brian Livingston, uh, and, 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 and it's up to them to kind of keep track on, on what the pit strategy is from, from the driver and the team's perspective. So, again, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just the conductor, I suppose. And, and while I do have notes and I do spend a fair amount of time preparing, I actually start preparing the, the pre-race show for the 500, some elements of it, as early as mid-April. Wow. Uh, just to make sure that it all times out right with our uh, outstanding producer, Sam Rumsa. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, if most of the work each and every year kind of happens organically because – you know, I've learned with live sporting events especially, you don't prepare a number of storylines because 
if you prepared for a certain storyline, you never know when something's going to unfold, like with what happened with Graham Rahal and mm-hmm. Steph Wilson and that whole story. So it's it, it's always a good idea to leave yourself enough wiggle room to be able to put those stories uh, and, and make those stories part of the show as they unfold throughout the course of the, the two weeks or so. Mark James, you are a national treasure. No one deserves this job more than you. I can't wait to listen to you on uh, Sunday. And uh, best of luck, my friend. Uh, you're You're the best. Well, happy for you and your success. Congratulations on the success of your show. Thanks for allowing me to be a part of it today. And as we say, now stay tuned for the greatest spectacle in racing, huh? Absolutely. Good job, my friend. Thank you. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Left a good job in the city Working for the man every night it is 9.51. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC, and there she is. Nicknamed the Queen of Rock and Roll, Tina Turner passed away yesterday at the age of 83. So this is a woman who came from a farming community, outlasted an abusive relationship, held on to her strength, and became one of the top recording artists of all time. She passed away in Switzerland yesterday. Yeah, and look, I'm not going to hold a grudge because Private Dancer cost board in the USA album of the year. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to rehash old injuries or egregious actions taken by the Grammy voting committee, mm-hmm. um, you know, because that's, we'll let bygones be bygones. But man, you talk about staying power mm-hmm. in the sense of she was able to reassert herself through that Private Dancer album and not only recapture the fame, the fortune, the the listens that she had during her, her time with, with Ike Turner, she far eclipsed that and yeah. arguably became much bigger on her own than yeah. she ever was with him. Yeah, it's like it made her stronger, uh, known for strength and resilience and beauty. I mean, talk about creating a style. She became an icon in the 80s with her spiked blonde hair, wearing cropped jeans, miniskirt, and all the videos where she's walking around in the stiletto heels and uh, sass and dignity. Many people just say so super talented with her voice that could sound falsetto at times, even though that's not really how she sang. She just made it work for her. And isn't it interesting too, like... um you know someone's a big deal based on who talks about it after the the passing happens. So, like, uh, when Gordon, let's just use a recently passed person. When Gordon Lightfoot died, there was a group of people who, oh my gosh, Gordon Lightfoot passed, and this is the worst thing ever, and boy, what a talented guy. And there are certainly a lot of Gordon Lightfoot fans, but it wasn't everybody from all walks of life. It's like people who were tweeting or posting about Gordon Lightfoot, you could largely almost like look at their profile photo and be like, seems like a person who would be a Gordon Lightfoot fan. Mm-hmm. The Tina Turner, he's just pointing at me, yes, yes, thank you. But the Tina Turner thing, just my little corner of the world, seeing the people who were posting about it, there's no theme amongst these people. So it tells you she had such an impact on people from all walks of life and all ages of life. Mm-hmm. And that really it shows you the magnitude of the person. Well, it did. It ran the spectrum from Mick Jagger to Joe Biden. 
all different people. And I think the story with Tina Turner is just resilience and strength and all of the horrible abuse that she suffered when she was married to Ike and she mostly kept that all to herself until after they divorced and just the brutal just everything that she went through getting punched in the face and bruised eyes and broken jaw and the other injuries and yet she just kept going and when she finally found the strength uh, and she left him that's when she really blossomed into her own person and she she took that that victimhood and made it an incredible triumph isn't it wild too i was just reading some stuff about her as we're doing this segment she her career i mean not to in any way say like your her career you people had forgotten about her but it kind of dropped off to the point where she was actually serving pre-private dancer in the 80s she was an opening act mm-hmm. i mean she had kind of dropped off to the point where she was opening for the i mean opening for the rolling stones she opened for rod stewart Heck, Casey, pre-private dancer in 84, she opened for Lionel Richie. Mm-hmm. I mean, and again, not to say I get that Lionel Richie was kind of a big deal, but you you don't think of someone of Tina Turner's magnitude. Like, when I went to the Rod Stewart show last year, Cheap Trick was the opening act for Rod Stewart. That seems right. Mm-hmm. Tina Turner does not seem like someone who would be an opening act, and yet she came all the way back and yeah. was bigger than ever. And became a powerhouse, even acting in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Yeah, lots of hits. It's 9.56. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.